We're continuing in a series that we will stay on as long as God wants us to stay on it. And we're talking about prayer. But talking about prayer in a way that is excruciatingly practical. And if this teaching is even moderately successful, you will be sitting there and you'll be saying, tell me something I don't know. Or reinforce something that I think I know. Because sometimes there's just some very, very simple basics that we need to be reminded of. You know, I go to Dr. Haybear. He's my dentist. And he has a dental hygienist. And we have, his hygienist and myself have a very uncomfortable relationship. (laughs) Because I don't like her at all. And she, um, she, she, generally, she generally delights in telling me, you know, says, well, when, when was the last time that you flossed? You know, well, I think you did it. And so, and I'm, so I'm, not, I'm not sure where the animosity is in this woman toward me, but she brings out like hydraulic tools when I show up. And so... And so, but, but every time she comes back, she says, now when you brush your teeth, you do this and you do the things that we've been hearing at the dentist ever since we started going to the dentist and we sh- we're old enough to know better that we shouldn't have to be reminded, but nevertheless, we are. And occasionally I'll actually learn a little something, something along the way, right? And so hopefully that this will not be a flossing exercise for you. But it will be something whereby which we can be reminded of some basics. And so two weeks ago, we talked about the practice of prayer. Practice of prayer. And that word practice simply means something that we do on a repetitive basis. And as a result of continuing to do it, we become what? More competent at it. It's not complicated. I mean, the more that you do something whether it's your 10,000 hours to get mastery of something or whether you just do it over and over again, something that initially was very, very awkward. It was very, very difficult. But as you continue doing it, all of a sudden, it wasn't quite so awkward anymore. And so the practice of prayer has to be something that we move, first of all, from a negative connotation about what something is to the place where it's not nearly so bad. I mean, we all know there's certain things we should do, like floss our teeth. Certain things we should do, like exercise, not eat too many carbs, whatever it is. And so, but so many times that the things we should do have in our minds a, I've got to do without something. This is not going to be fun. This is going to cost me something. So we have to begin to change our mindset about the practice of prayer. And to do that, we have to move away from some misunderstandings, our preconceptions and misconceptions about what prayer is, the condemnation about what we're not doing and what we think everybody else is doing. Am I doing it right? And does it really make any difference at all? And to deconstruct some things that Well, you know, if I want somebody to pray for me, I'm going to go find Pastor Donnell or Elder Chris Clark, or I'm going to find one of these dear folk that hang out on Friday night. They got this prayer thing down. They are the prayer professionals at Grace Covenant Church. Say hallelujah. 
And as much as we appreciate people that are versed in it, they have faith and they do it, that's great. But let me just tell you, it's not just about the, quote, professionals. It's about everybody. Come on. Everybody. God bless those those 1% or 2% of folks who are gifted in evangelism. But let me tell you, God doesn't say in Matthew 28 for the evangelists to go and make disciples. It's not what he says at all. As a matter of fact, when he gets to Ephesians 4 and begins to talk about those that are giving toward equipping ministries, it says that, it doesn't say that they're the only ones that do the ministry. It's to equip others to do it. Are you with me? So we should not just be running to Pastor Donnell, pray for me. Pastor Donnell's primary job in the house is to encourage and equip you. You go pray for yourself. That's why we're here tonight as well. Deconstructing that it's for everybody. Spiritual, yes. Mystical, no. Absolutely not. So then we ask the question, how do you pray? Well, how do you talk? How do we become a conversationalist? Hence, the entire name of the series, The Divine Dialogue. How do we figure out that if we really do want prayer to have a dynamic in our life, that we look forward to that moment, that we're not just talking to the wall, that we learn that for us to become conversationalists, we have to do what? We have to stop talking and start listening. Hmm. Learn to listen and then speak. So we talked about the practice of prayer, and I want to encourage you, that if you are not able to come on, uh, on a given Wednesday night, please go back and listen to these podcasts because they will build on the next. But tonight, for a moment, I want to talk about the problems of prayer or to put a more happy spin on the title, Overcoming the Problems of Prayer. Romans chapter 8, we read this two weeks ago, but let's read it again, beginning in verse 26. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but, but, aren't you glad there are lots of the words but in the New Testament? I mean, we declare what is a fact, but then there's this wonderful conjunction that negates the first part of the clause of the phrase, but the Spirit intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Now, verse 26, when it's speaking here about groans that words cannot express, this is not a proof text For the 1 Corinthians 12 or 14 gift of tongues, which, yes, we believe and practice here at Grace Covenant Church. Ah! Yes, we do. And we do it regularly, and we do it a lot. But the original Greek does not bear out here glossolalia, which is the Greek for the word tongues that we see poured out at Pentecost, and we see listed in the The nine gifts in 1 Corinthians 12. This is something, this is not talking about that. This is talking about something that I believe is inaudible. 
Something that's happening at a frequency that the human ear cannot detect. Something else is going on. But we have a biblically stated here, you got a problem. You don't know what to pray for. You have a weakness in this area of prayer. It's biblically stated, but aren't you glad it's at the same time, it's divinely overcome. But for any problem to be addressed, there has to first be an acknowledgement of and an identification of the problem. I mean, that seems real obvious, but let's talk about it for a moment. Your car. Your car. You go to the mechanic because your car, and your mechanic makes you, what's it doing? He makes you make the noise. Well, it's going, right? Bob, come over here. Do that thing again. Do you know what that is? No, we just want to hear you do that again. And so you're there, and, you, and there's nothing like having your man card taken from you. When you go to the mechanic, and they want you to tell them what's wrong with your car. And you don't want to be snarky and say, if I knew that, I wouldn't be here. Thank you. But somewhere before they begin to change the muffler bearings on your car or begin to give you a lot of stuff that you don't need, by the way, the muffler, never mind. Three people caught that. Somewhere someone has to say this is the problem. You go to your physician. Somewhere before they just start whipping out sharp tools or begin, you know, pulling out their prescription pad, somewhere there has to be a what? A diagnosis. This is the problem. Describe it before we can offer a solution. So then, what are the problems with prayer? Why don't we pray? And I say we. Because we're all in this together. Again, there are no professionals in the things of the Spirit. There are folk that have been out there a little bit longer than maybe you or I have, but there are no professionals. We are all learning. We are all practitioners in this thing. Why don't we do it? What are our ongoing challenges? Because if we prayed and got immediate results, we'd be prayer monsters. Lord, if you would, bam! I mean, if prayer could be the proverbial genie, tell me that you wouldn't be all about some prayer. I mean, it'd be like mortgages do. I'm going to pray. You'd be all over it. But how many of you know that it rarely happens that way? And yet somewhere in our minds, we think we still think this. Come on now. We still think it's supposed to work like this. That we're supposed to thunk it. We're supposed to say it. We're supposed to name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. And if we can say it enough times with the right posture, <laughs> that somehow whatever that thing is, is going to be delivered up to us. And somewhere, I don't know about you, but that nerve is back there somewhere that when I go and pray and then you kind of peek with one eye, kind of looking around like maybe it worked this time. 
You and I both know this is true. We just don't want to talk about it because we're Pentecostals. So this thing doesn't work right. You ever had something that didn't work right? You ever had a piece of technology that just didn't do what it was supposed to do? And I mean, you have it, you've, you've, you've made an investment in it, you've kind of learned it, and then it just won't respond right. It, just, it freezes up. You know, you, you hit the button and it doesn't do that thing that it did the last time. It goes and does something else this time. And you know, prayer is often exactly the same way. We think that every time that we cut it on and we push this button, we're always going to get this result. So, oh, Pastor Jim, you're in some dangerous territory now because you're messing with my faith. No, I'm trying to inform your faith. I'm trying to help you tonight avoid a faith crisis. Because unless we can come to grips with some of this, invariably what I'm talking about is going to become a relational problem between you and God before it's all over with. And there are many Christians because they don't really understand how this thing works is that we're only left with one conclusion. There must be something wrong with the designer. There must be something wrong with God himself. Because everything I've ever been taught and heard about prayer and faith tells me this is how it should happen. Hmm. You see, we're not process people. We really aren't. We're, we're, the, 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 we're, we're not processed, but just, just get over it. I mean, we live in a culture that if the popcorn is over three minutes, it's defective, and we want to sue Orville. And you know it's true. I mean, with the way we want Amazon Prime to work is we think it, and somebody's knocking on our door. And they're working on that, and that worries me. But let me give you... A couple of overarching problems. Number one, we're not sure what to say or pray. I think we can honestly all agree on that. But secondly, we aren't really sure we're being heard. And I believe if we could take all of the challenges that we have with prayer, they would fall under one of those two places. Or three, we're convinced that we are heard and our prayers are not answered. Why bother? And this eventually, like I said, becomes a deep relational issue. And I believe under one of these three areas is where for many of us, we will find our challenges. So let's talk about those three just for a second. First of all, we're not quite sure what to say or what to pray. You know, when children first begin to talk, they don't converse about much deep. They talk about themselves. You ever notice that? And as parents, it doesn't matter what they say as long as they say it. And we are enamored. We hang on their every little word, don't we? I mean, even if the first one out of their mouth is a four-letter word, we still applaud them for it. 
So whether it's daddy or mommy or more or cookie or whatever it might, it doesn't matter. We're just enthralled that they're using their words. We're happy as parents. My granddaughter right now, I mean, she is just, she's just talking. I mean, she's got the whole, she's got the whole female, ladies, just don't hurt me here. But, but when she talks, it's like, she's got the whole body language. And she just, and she'll look at you and she's got the whole thing down like, and she just, she just talking, she going for it. It's the most wonderful thing you've ever seen in your life. We have no idea what she's saying, but she's engaged. She is engaged. She, and she, when she doesn't just talk, she holds court. Let me just tell you. And there's one place where we're all experts, and that's ourselves. You want to get a conversation going? Just get somebody talking about themselves. It'll work. And, you know, God knows everything about us. He knows every thought. He knows every cell of our body, every minute of our day. But this is the amazing thing about God. He's still interested in our words. It is an incredible thing. I mean, this is the sovereign. This is the guy that owns it all, made it all. I mean, the big brain guy. And we come to him and we go, and we start talking about, you know, our little needs and our thing and our day. And you know what God does? He says, tell me about it. He is fascinated for us to crawl up in his lap and just use our, use our words. That's what, that's what good moms and dads do. They encourage the language. And so we start out just talking. And you know, God is not, let me, hear me, hear me well. God is never disinterested in you talking about your day, your needs, your hurts. It's important we understand that. But you know, once we begin to mature, we move away from just the monologue phase and then we actually begin to have a dialogue. We begin to realize someone else is occupying the universe other than us. It's an amazing thing. And so you watch that among siblings that all of a sudden they realize there's another person here I have to share the Oreos with. And so then you have a whole dynamic. But then the dialogue begins to occur as we do, as we mature. We begin to interact with one another. Prayer is exactly the same way. And how we discern his will, agree with his will, And it's in this knowing that the confidence of our hearing gets released. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 through 15. Very important passages. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything, here we go. What does it say? According to His will. Now, it's amazing people that will quote this passage and leave that phrase out. According to his will, he hears us. Now what this means is that, I'm getting ahead, let me read the whole passage. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. Now, the confidence is according to his will. 
Meaning we've got to be able to know and discern what is the will of God. And we think many times, oh, I got to go get Jim LaFoon. I got to go get, got to go find me a prophet guy. Let me just tell you, what you need to primarily do is open this Bible and, just, and you can find the will of God because he's given, us, he, he's given it to us in his written word for the most part. If nothing revelational or inspirational ever came to you again, God's Bible reveals the 99.9% of his will. It is inscripturated. Hear me. It's not, that, it, it's not that fragile. It's not out there in the ozone somewhere. According to his will. It didn't originate with us, but with him. And it's agreement. But what this agreement means, he hears us. It's very clear that if we do this in accordance with his will, the promise of this word is then he hears us. This is the thing that unlocks God's hearing is God hearing something reflected back to him that originated with him. Hmm. We'll, we'll, We'll get there again. And whatever we ask, now listen to me, it's still not a blank check. Let me try to explain this to you. When I was a child, I would see my parents write checks at the grocery store. I was fascinated with that. And I was thinking, this is really cool. Why don't you just write a check for a decent car? Why don't you just write a check? I mean, I, I, because I didn't fully understand this whole bank account, make a deposit in the account. Are, are, are you, are you, but you see, the whatever is his will, they are the deposits in the account. And you can only write a check against what's in the account. What is in the account is his will. You with me? And you got Christians out there bouncing checks all over the kingdom. You with me? It's like, they just, they, they, man, they got more rubber checks that are sitting out there. Name it, come in. They just, whoa, look at me. I'm writing another one here, baby. How about a detective long enough? They go come find you for that kind of thing. And we laugh about it, but you know what? There are guys out there writing checks out there that have nothing to do with God's will. They find themselves in bondage. And they wonder, how do I get all locked up here? How do I get all jacked up in this thing? It says to ask, I ask. Yeah, but you overdrew the account because it had nothing to do with what was in the account. Because the Genesis is him. It doesn't start with you. It doesn't start with your needs or desires. No. The Genesis is him. Stay with me. Someone said this, that the purpose of prayer is not to get man's will done in heaven, but to get God's will done on the earth. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to grab God's will and bring it down into whatever situation is that we are currently releasing in prayer. And anything else beyond that, ladies and gentlemen, 
we are going to find ourselves in some type of crisis. And I'm not talking about challenge or difficulty. I want to ramp it up to a fairly heavy-duty word. It will eventually produce a crisis in your life. Second point. If we aren't really sure we're being heard, why bother? You know, there's nothing more frustrating in any communication interaction than the perception or reality you're not being heard. Would you agree with that? It's like the customer service call to Mumbai. Now, this is, this is I, I, God bless the nation. God bless the Indians. I, I'm happy. I can't understand a thing they say, but I love them. But you call them on the phone, right? And they begin to read the script. You are explaining to them. Are you with me? Why Angry Birds keeps crashing your device. And then they begin to read their... Have you tried resetting your computer? Have you tried? I mean, you can tell they're reading the script. You, you tell them you don't understand it just burst into flames, right? And they're not telling you to put it out. You know, have you tried resetting? I mean, and so it's like you're not listening. You're killing me here. I got a fishing call. Everybody know what fishing is? Okay, P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G. It's when somebody calls you under some pretense, and they're really just trying to get some information from you. And so I got this fishing call with a similar kind of place, and they were, you know, said, we are here because we've noticed that there is a challenge on your Windows operating system on your computer. I said, well, that's a real challenge because I've been using Mac for 10 years. It didn't slow his roll at all. He kept right, seriously, he kept right on reading, man. I mean, after about three times of I don't use a Windows machine, I'm on a Mac, the one that God uses. I could not. But he kept right on reading. He wasn't listening to anything that I had to say. Finally, I said, do you like basketball? He said, excuse me, try this slam dunk. Shunk, that's all I had. And yes, Pastor Brett would have prayed for him. He'd have gotten saved. I know, I know, I know. But I mean... Man has to know his limitations, though, understand? <laughs> but there's nothing more frustrating when you realize nobody's listening. They're not home. Parents to their children. Jeffrey, 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 Jeffrey. It's okay, if we say his name over and over again, somehow the, oh, we, oh, we get louder. This is, this is a favorite with someone who doesn't understand English well. Do you under? I mean, somehow if we get louder, they can perhaps hear better. Or the threats or the promises of, if you will, I will. This is my favorite one of the parents right here. Is entering high-level negotiations with a two-year-old. This is, this is just marvelous here, isn't it? 
But you know, we do it all with God. We do the same thing when we're not convinced he's listening. God, Jesus, Lord, Father, God, God, Father, Father, God, Father, Jesus, Jesus, Holy Ghost. So we just say his name over and over and over and over again, thinking that somehow there's power in the repetition. Jesus called out the Pharisees on repetition. Or we raise our voices, implying fervency. Well, certainly, just like the prophets of Baal, if we just dance a little harder and sing a little longer and just get a little bit louder, certainly God is, that's going to move him. Let me help you. God is not hard of hearing. Never has been. And then the promises. The same way we negotiate with parents trying to negotiate with the kids or the kids trying to negotiate with the parents. If you'll just let me have, I'll, I'll eat my broccoli for the next 18 years. I mean, we do the same thing with God. Oh, God, I will if you will. And most of the time, and it usually involves the blue lights rolling up on us, and we start... We start making all kinds of covenantal promises with God when we get jammed up. Come on. Oh, God, I'll serve you forever. Oh, God, I'll go and I'll preach the gospel to the pygmies. Oh, God. I mean, so we're doing, we're doing all of these things and when we get jammed up like this. And I'm using humor on purpose because you're busted. I'm busted. Because we do, we use all of these techniques, do we not? Because we're not convinced he's hearing us. Hmm. But there are two significant issues. The first one is being aligned prayer, is aligned prayer to his will, which we've already talked about. But the second is the posture or position with him. And I'll break out a separate message on this, but I have to mention it at this juncture that somewhere we've got to understand that Proverbs 15, 29 says, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. That if we're not coming to God from that place of righteousness, which only he can give us, it doesn't work. These are, the two, these, are, these are two of the big dynamics in prayer. One is alignment with his will, but secondly is the right posture by which we ask. Real familiar passage of Scripture, Matthew 6. Seek first his kingdom. What is that? His will. Because his kingdom expresses perfectly his perfect will. Do you understand that? There is nothing out of order or out of alignment in God's kingdom. Everybody got that? Oh, there's a lot twisted and jacked up and messed around here in this world. But let me tell you, in God's kingdom, there's not a molecule out of place. It's God's perfect will. Seek first his will, his kingdom, and what does it say? His righteousness. See how these two things work together? And then what does it say? All these other things will be what? Added to you. And then lastly, that if we're convinced we're heard and our prayers are not answered, why bother? You see, 
I'm not convinced that they're not answered. I'm just more convinced it's just not how or when or what we wanted to hear. You know, in the hindsight of history, most of the time we'll see that God did indeed answer or move, but in a way and a timing that only he could understand in the moment. See, often the problem isn't one of answered prayer, but the real problem is one simply of delivery. I prayed and God didn't answer or God didn't respond. Maybe he did. Once again, you didn't like the response you got back. Oh, God, tell me the truth. Okay, you're a jerk. (laughs) Tell me something else. Okay, you're a real jerk. Well, I don't think I like that answer. Then don't ask me real questions then. You see, not only will God tell you the truth, but there's a timing and seasonal element in the release of prayer. Once again, kids. Kids don't have any idea of time. You tell your kids, oh, this summer we're going to the beach. Baby, they just, they just went and got their swim trunks. 36 inches of snow on the ground. It's January. All they know, they're going to find the snorkel, baby. We're going to the beach. And as grandparents, we're slow to learn on that one. You know, we're really looking forward to having you come out to the mountain. They're putting their coat on. Forget they got school tomorrow. Forget everything else. They think that it means now. We think the same thing. We think the same thing. Our time is right now. And God's time is, no, now is right. There's a big difference in those two things. See, God has a now time, but we're so locked into chronos or linear time that we don't understand that there's this whole other realm where God is working some things out and, quite frankly, has already worked them out. Over the years, my children have made a lot of requests of me. They haven't always done it just right. They didn't ask well. I want... They made demands with attitudes that were befitting children. But they got blessed anyway. But they got blessed in a way and a time that brought the maximum blessing. Listen to me. But never in a way that the request violated my ultimate desire to see them prosper. And that meant that sometimes it meant right now the answer is no. This will happen later. This is not a statement on gun control, so please don't go there. But I came out of a generation where boys had BB guns. I haven't shot up a McDonald's. I'm not going to, all right? But I remember... Somewhere around eight years old, my grandfather happened to be in law enforcement. And I saw some of the other weapons that he had, and I made a request at eight years old. I said, I'd like to have a twenty-two rifle because it was just a little bit bigger than my little BB gun. Now, the difference in a BB gun and a twenty-two rifle is somewhat... You have to work. You have to work to get killed with a BB gun. 
you, I mean, so you really, you, you got to work at that. Do you understand what I'm saying? But with a 22, you don't have to work at it. It's a real, it's a real weapon. And I, and I know it killed him to say it, but he said, no way. Now, you'd have to understand that his one love language was stuff. To the point that my mother would threaten me. If she had already told me no, she would say, and don't ask your granddaddy. I knew how to work it. Only child, only grandchild. I had it going on, let me just tell you. But this was the one time that he said no. Now, I eventually got the 22, but not when I was eight years old. Because he knew that to have granted that request at that age, not only would it have been reckless, but it was dangerous. And potentially, I could have hurt someone. I could have killed someone. Do you not think if our earthly fathers and grandfathers can figure this out, do you not think God can't figure this out? And I thought, and, and, and as an eight-year-old child, it was a perfectly legitimate request. I didn't know that these things had a range up to a mile. I didn't know all this. All I knew is it was really cool, and I wanted one. But, you know, it's amazing that sometimes we approach the sovereign, God himself, with the same thing. And we, and we begin to dictate to God what we think we know about something. And God is just, he's, he, he, he humors us for a moment. But then he says, no. You see, there's a timing on all of this many times that's as perfect as God himself. And if we understand this in the context of prayer, I tell you, it helps us a lot. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit intercedes for us. Aren't you glad of that? Yes, we have a problem, but we have a helper who guides us, who instructs us how to do this. Amen? And as we close tonight, I'm sure that many of us in here who've had prayers that have seemingly gone unanswered has caused us much consternation and much pain. Even to the point that we had to step back and really get down to the first lie and say, if you were really good. And we've done that too. And yet our father says, you know what? I love you, but no. And someday you'll understand. We all have prayer problems, but God has answers. Pray with me.